Hi, my name is Morris, and this is a very special episode of How Did You Get Data Lake? Because we have an extra special guest for season two. That guest is... Me, Sergio. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Sergio. And uh, the reason that we're doing a special episode with you again for season two is that you actually did a really interesting presentation at the Tokyo Rubyists meetup last night. I think I speak for a lot of us who were there, uh, and that it was a pretty... Uh, Pretty exciting, pretty interesting, and it, it kept the crowd captivated. You actually got, like, you managed to get people to laugh at all the right points, so I thought it was a really good presentation. Thank you, thank you very much. I don't think so, I don't think this was so great, but thank you. <laughs> so, you uh, so the presentation was called uh, Do Not Panic. Was it called Do Not Panic? Yes, yeah, so it was called Do Not Panic, Dealing with Major Incidents. Right. And, uh, by the way, who did the illustrations for this? Uh... <laughs> no, I, I mean, I copied from internet. You know okay. the challenge accepted? So you just have to search, like, challenge okay. fail, challenge considered. There are so many memes in internet. All right. So well, nobody... it, was, it, it was a very good presentation. So I think instead of going through the whole presentation right here, we're just going to talk about a few of the highlights and then go into a little bit. Uh, more of the general theme of the presentation, but overall it was a presentation about what you do when you have a major incident. How do you handle it? And you talked about not just the technical side, but also the human side of that. Yeah, in the presentation there are three uh, points. One of those examples of um, companies that they suffer an incident. The second one was about how to prepare against an incident. And the third one was more about uh, how to deal in the moment that it happens. Okay, so let's let's start by going through the presentation a little bit and hitting some of the main points. And for anybody who's really interested in the details, these slides are online, and I highly recommend checking them out. Uh, it's a it's a quick presentation, and just imagine Sergio reading through it, and you'll get all the uh, all the right laugh points. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so actually, so Sergio, why did you want to do this presentation? Oh well. I think the main reason is because I like to to uh, do talks. I like to present to people. The main point is because you learn a lot when you prepare the presentation. Mm -hmm. You have to do a lot of research. The same like the podcast. You have to research to do that. And the second thing is was well, I was contact for uh, the organizer the organization, and they asked me like, "Oh, Sergio, you have been in several presentations. We know that you like to do that. Can you think about something?" And then, well, something happened in our company. And I said, oh, that's a great topic. So <laughs> that's why. That's the reason. There's always a silver lining. There's always an opportunity when you have something interesting happen that you can deal with, that you can share that story. Mm -hmm. So uh, where do you want to start? Should we start with the presentation or start with the incident that precipitated the, uh, the presentation? Or how do you want to go? Mm, I think that it's better if we just... Uh, talk a little bit about the main points or the points that I consider myself more important if you have a kind of accident. And mm. if you want to know more about or some details, they can write in our channel, mm. or in, in Twitter, for example, you can retweet, and we're going to help them to, to discover more about this. But uh, yeah, I, I, will, I will focus about some points, not all the presentation or even or accident or incident that happened in our company. I will prefer that to focus and then talk something more about the human behavior. Mm -hmm. I will care more about the people because it's something that we haven't talked about in this or other presentations. It's a topic that is very difficult to talk about and it, I think it's more convenient for a chit chat 
than for a real presentation because sometimes it's mm -hmm. just your opinion. It's not something mm -hmm. that really happens and every person is going to be different in that situation. And it's very important because it's the moment that you realize how the people is. When they got nervous, they got in panic, they got like a stress, they are sweating, they are like calling their mom. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just to give people context, what type of an, what type of incidents are we talking about? We're talking about these incidents that um, you feel like without power to do nothing. These kind of incidents that you are like, oh sh**, something happened, something happened. Uh, you realize they, they are the kind of incidents that it's not like, oh, I'm going to fix this in five minutes. It's the mm. incident that is like, oh, I screw up, everybody's going to know. Uh, something terrible, you did something terrible. We are talking about the major one, not the, this kind of small, so, um, for example, when there is an intruder who arrives to the company and he exposes your personal data, we are talking about um, when there is an ex-administrator that he deletes all the backups, we are talking when AWS is down, we are talking mm. when there is um, yeah something like that, this kind of range of incidents. And, and just to be clear, those are all examples that did not happen at our company. Yeah, <laughs> those, no. are, those are just generic examples. The, the incident that you talked about specifically was something where I think, what well, do you want to just briefly describe? Oh, well, our, our, our incident was something very stupid and was that I just delete by mistake some error, some some entries, and they in cascade, because you do squarely, squarely. Uh, we deleted so many rows of the database, but we just make a, we had backups, we restored the backups, we just spent time, so it was a six hours recovery, mm -hmm. but that's it, it didn't happen like the podcast of the GitLab, <laughs> <laughs> they had more, 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 more problems and they lost real data, we didn't lose any data, we didn't affect anybody, nobody noticed, these kind of things happen, our problem was not so weak. Yeah, so this was so when, when this incident happened, at the end of the day, uh, no data was lost. But when it first happened, what was your like first thought? Uh, I think that when it happened, I was kind of realizing the, the, the problem. Well, first I stopped doing that thing that it was still running, so I stopped that thing. And I was like, oh shit. And then I communicate to you. Right. right. I, I, I stand up and I say, Maurice, we have a problem. <laughs> and after that, well, one of the founders who was here, he was also contacted by me, like, oh, this is what happened, we deleted some rows by mistake, we are going to need to recover the information, and then, well, we, as a team, we enabled the protocol, we contact with another founder, the CTO, uh, we then start thinking about the different points to recover, and and after that, well, yes, we, we wrote in the in the whiteboard everything that we plan to do, and well, we per programming to solve the problem. Well, me and one of the founders, and well, we just um, fix it. That's it. At the end, at the end of the day, um, was not so difficult because mm. we didn't affect nothing else than the database, and it was just okay. Everything that has been deleted, all these IDs. You know everything that happens, so we just get a log for all the entries that we deleted, and we just recover that entries. So it was a copy mm. from one database that we just start to another one. So it was a very, very small problem compared to other ones that right. we're talking about. So in, in I think things worked out very well there, because mm. we had kind of, in a sense, planned for a situation where, a situation like that. 
So we were not, for example, you know, we had backups, and the mm -hmm. backups worked. Yes. So we were very, you know, it took a certain amount of time to get that data back into the database, but there was never any question about whether it was possible. Yeah, and the other important thing here to mention is that in this company, we already had experience about these kind of problems. So it means that we were able to do this more efficiently. We knew who would you talk, who you have to talk about, how do you have to react. They were very calm in this situation, mm -hmm. and they didn't become crazy and panic. And no, we just okay. That's what we have to do. Let's do it. That's all. So that's the most important part: the experience. Right, and I would say you know that's one thing that I, I personally see a lot is that you know if you're in a situation if you're in a company where there's not a lot of trust between team members and where there's a lot of a lot of people are worried about uh, assigning blame and a lot of people are very scared about their own jobs and a lot of people uh, aren't sure about whether they even have enough knowledge if there's a lot of fear going around it's very easy for people to get panicked when incidents happen so you know I think that the worst case scenario is when you have even a very small incident where there's like no data loss, but people just lose their heads and they, they go crazy and they start pointing fingers and like, oh my God, whose fault is it and what happened and like, why did this happen? And I think what we saw here was in addition to actually having that preparation, having that experience and having that backups, we also had this mindset where you can tell that people are, that something is serious happening because people are quiet and they're focusing. Whereas I think in some companies, you can tell something serious is going on because everybody's screaming and losing their heads. From my experience, I think that the people they scream more is that people that they don't know about the problem. I mean, the people that they are in other departments, they are screaming, they are being loud, they are like, okay, what did you do? No, they are blaming to the other people. But in the moment that you are in the team that is inside, in kind of the box, it means developers very very near to the code. I think that these people, they just know what happened. They are able to measure m much better the error and what is going to be the consequence. And okay, maybe they know that the consequence is we cannot fix it, but at least they're going to be like, okay, it's Shogunai, it's, uh, I cannot do nothing. But if you know what happened and how to solve it, you just want your space. You don't mm -hmm. want everybody being loud to you and telling you what to do in the moment. It's like, Calm, take it easy, shut up, and let me work. It's gonna mm. be faster. It's gonna be better. It's gonna be. Uh, you need this space, but that's that's the same. It's the same like a doctor making an operation to someone. He knows what is good, what is bad, what he expect. No, so sometimes you have to look at the face of the people that they are working on it. If they are <laughs> panic, then you have become more panic. But that's why you have to be senior and you have to handle the situation and give this confidence to the other, like, okay, let's take it easy. If it's broken, it's broken. Let's um, let's make this time out like, okay, in two hours, let me work. If in two hours, I'm going to give you feedback. Okay, mm. maybe maybe it depends the error. For example, if you um, delete the backups, you're going to restore the backups. And there is a throughput. So it means that you can do faster than something. Uh, but you can enable something. You, you, can, you can always do something, not like even showing an X. So in a landing page to the people that they are, arrive to your com to your company, your business, no, there are things to do. But I think it depends the seniority that you have in working on that environment. Yeah, I think that's something really important that you just mentioned there, which is that I mean, it's it's not just like professionalism, but you know, 
panic spreads through the team, but also calm can spread through the team. So if you know what you're doing, and if you're calm, and if you approach the problem in a rational, logical manner, that, that sort of confidence and that calmness can spread to other people in a really good way. That's very important. <laughs> the worst is that you never know how to do that. I mean, when you're in the moment, you react. You're in the limit, and you don't even know yourself that you're going to be like that. I mean, that's what I said so many times, experience, because experience is, okay, now happened because it happened in the past, and you know how it's, it's like you have something to be related to. It's not an absolute term. It's a relative term. And mm -hmm. this relative term means that, okay, if I don't have backups, well, no. If you don't have a cast, you don't have nothing and you are lost. But if, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's the time to panic because we actually don't have a Exactly. It's a, it's a time of, of, of contact some recruiters. <laughs> but <laughs> that's your fallback, no? Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the human side of what happens when incidents happen. Let's take a look at uh, the slides briefly and cover some of the, the big things that you touched on there. So let, let's, how about we uh, talk a little bit about the tooling that goes along with uh, incidents? Hmm. I, I think that the tools, there are several, and each one uh, is going to affect more of your um, what you want to show. There are, for example, about what we mentioned, a landing page. Landing page is when there is an incident, you want to uh, being able to show to the guest who is coming to your platform uh, what is happening and you want to show him that it's not his fault, okay? We mm -hmm. have also kind of these, um, these tools that they are more for monitoring, internal monitoring, and they are going to trigger some alarms. These alarms probably they go to another platform and this platform is going to kind of contact you. You are going to have several levels for contact you. First level is going to be automatic so maybe you want to reboot the machines if this only happened once because maybe it's a memory uh, memory buff or something memory timeout um, later we want to contact to the people to the most responsible people uh, people who mostly work in the team DevOps is the is admins but maybe everybody's sleeping and maybe you want to even contact to the to the board so these guys maybe they have some kind of power to react somehow, maybe even reboot the machine, or even maybe call you in another number, okay? Mm -hmm. And then... So this, is, this is all about uh, preparation. Yes. It, you know, in a sense, you know, one part of preparation is backups, but another part of preparation is having the visibility to know when an incident is happening. And a big part of that is things like, tools like, like PagerDuty, tools that will give you an alarm and will actually call you when something goes down. Yeah. There is also uh, what is a status status page. This kind of tool, I think, well, about page is, I think, very interesting in the moment that you you are developing an API for another developers mm -hmm. because these developers can understand these numbers, these metrics, and they can see how good or degraded is your service. So that's very interesting. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of as you mentioned right now. I, I think it's tools that you have to prepare before. But one interesting point is, depending on the size of your company, you should invest more or less in these tools. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're starting your company, maybe you don't care. The value of these tools doesn't apply too much for your company. But in the moment that you start growing, this is one of the first tasks that you have to prepare. Because mm -hmm. you have probably investors, uh, you have someone who is paying for a service, and in the moment that you become great, 
you want to give these tools that everybody else has. So you want to become another one. You have to, uh, for example, uh, have a support service. You need uh, this status page I mentioned. You have to rely on uh, scalability, uh, performance. So this is one of the must. Right. Well, for example, like Hadajiku Data Lake is hosted on S3. And, you know, it's a, it's a free service that we provide to you, the listeners. And uh, thank you very much for listening. But uh, the not- the uh, monitoring that we have on that is uh, Twitter-based alerts. So, for example, if the site is down for like a week, somebody will send me a message on Twitter, and that's how I know that the site was down. Don't rely, if, if you are Twitter, don't rely on Twitter for being your incident management, because maybe that's down. So, so, so I think actually that was one of the more uh, amusing points that you brought up, which is that when S3 went down, the S3 uh, status page actually couldn't get updated. Well, the truth is that the status was updated, but the icons were not, because the icons <laughs> were in S3, because they were using CloudFront. Right. Uh, last week we were reading this really, uh, just sort of as a study session, this really interesting like uh, book by Google about how to handle incidents. And one of the things that they mentioned was, you know, setting up like a document for uh, for uh, handling major incidents. And I'll, I'll definitely put a link in the show notes to that book. Uh, but... They, they noted that, you know, the Google Docs team, for example, doesn't use Google Docs for their incident management platform for obvious reasons. But that's the point I mentioned before. It depends the size of the company. In, the, in this case, in the book, what, what they were mentioning is, oh, we have a team. Well, we have several teams, and they are in different places of the world. Mm-hmm. In the moment they go to sleep, you are going to wake up, and you need to read all the information in one single place. So I think that's something that maybe you can use just Slack for sharing this information mm-hmm. across the teams. I don't care, but I want to see somewhere all the information. That's the point about the document. It's not mm-hmm. about um, even do the template. It's just share the information, and everybody is going to give the information there. If something else extra is happening... You must notify there because maybe you are changing the web page while I'm changing the backend and then some, someone else mm-hmm. is hitting. You know? Imagine that the, the board, they enable this kind of landing page so nobody is accessing to the page. But meanwhile, I fix the back. So everything, mm-hmm. everything is working right. And maybe they are just all, or telling to the, to the customers like, oh, you cannot access, but they can access. So this kind of miscommunication, that document is the purpose for that. But mm. I think that this document and the idea is for large teams. In our case, is kind of a smaller one. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's a very interesting book. And uh, it's I, I say it's a book, but it's mostly a series of maybe uh, 32 or 3 page articles. So they're very easy to digest. Cool. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about preparation. Uh, you have this wonderful slide. It's called Follow Best Code Practices. And what I really like about it is it's just like, it's like a mini summary of things you should be doing. And, you know, in, I think, I think the late nineties, there was this blog post by, I want to say Joel Spolsky. And it was like warning sign. It was like a checklist for engineers looking for companies. And it was like, does your company use version control? Yes or no. If the company doesn't use version control, that's a big warning sign as a developer. And so this is like, uh, I mean, now everybody uses version control, I hope, but Back in the 90s, it was definitely a thing where, you know, people were not always going to use version control. So I think this is something similar. It's like, these are a bunch of things that just, you know, it's kind of a checklist. Yeah, it's a checklist. But I think it's also kind of these points that they remind me something to tell in the presentation. So when I read the name, like version your endpoints, 
I, it becomes to my mind something that they want to explain. Some sometimes a story, no. So that's why you give the you don't write everything that you want to mm -hmm. say. You just write some words that give you the the remember it. Uh, I was in the presentation after that. One guy he came to me and he said to me, "Oh, you don't need backups. You need everything." What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he told me that, and and it sounds stupid, but no, he's right. He in in, in some way he's right, and he said to me, "No, you have to do everything." Should be in uh, Git in a repo. It has to be a version. Mm. So what it means is that everybody in the team they have the backups. I mean, if my branch is gone, it doesn't matter. You have my backup of my branch or mm. other branch. So it's like this replication. But he also proposed me to make the database into a repository. So <laughs> every change, every row that was modified, it was into a new uh, commit. Uh -huh. uh, for me, it was too much, okay, but... Um. Well, it, and actually, I, I, have, I think that's a really interesting idea, because I, this is like a total tangent, mm -hmm. but let me go down it for sure. like two minutes, Do is it. that this is like a really common idea of engineers that, you know, all information should be indemnant, right? Like, all information should be essentially permanent. So, for example, Git, you know, I can delete all the files in my Git repository one by one, but if I need to recover them, you know, I can just switch to a different branch and they're all there. Because that information is not actually being permanently deleted, it's kind of, it's part of the record. And I think this sort of idea that information must be permanent actually has really serious privacy impl implications. So, like, if, you're, if your database is, for example, versioned in a way so that everything is a permanent commit, you know, yes, you can delete users who leave your service, but, you know, you're, if the data is still there, you haven't actually deleted them. So, you know, I think this is something that people worry about a lot, where, you know, obviously modern web services are designed in such a way so that there are many backups of your data. You know, Facebook is not ever going to lose one of your photographs. Um, but if you delete that data, is it really deleted? Is it ever going to actually disappear? Very good point. We talk about privacy. This is a very good point. In the moment that he, this guy he told me about, probably he was not thinking about privacy, but he was thinking in a kind of innovate, innovate way to do something that previously um, everybody didn't know in another one. So he was kind of in radical, maybe, innovation. Mm. But I see your point, and yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I so, agree. So uh, your, your first uh, best code practice is version your endpoints. Uh, what, what does version your endpoints mean? Well, it means uh, just make a version of, like, um, you have version 1, and if you change the, the endpoint so dramatically, create a new endpoint. Why? Because you have so many clients that they're requesting the same points. And if you want to release something different, just make a new version so nobody is going to be affected. That kind of problems they have the companies that uh, they are, like, for example, Stripe or... And SoundCloud that that they have to maintain so many clients, legacy mm. clients, and uh, they need to change something, and you don't know who is going to be affected. Mm, just version. It it doesn't cost so much. Well, it has a cost, that's true, but it doesn't cost so much. But you are going to have less. You are prone to have less errors, for of course, and it's going to yeah, it's going to affect so many. So. Okay, so just in, in like relatively non-technical terms, uh, if you have like an API where uh, people are querying your API for data, that API should have a version associated with it. Like this is API version one, so that when you say you add some new features to the API, so it returns some more data. Maybe you know maybe some old clients can't handle that data, but they will see that the version is now version two, so they know they can't handle the data, so they won't try to handle it. 
Exactly. <laughs> Very good. More race. <laughs> <laughs> so my specialty is uh, re repeating, regurgitating, summarizing information. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, next one. Next one is split your endpoints. Uh, add. So this, this is about microservices. Yeah. What it means is that uh, in the moment that you split your your applications in different microservices, if one of them is down, all the application must not be down. So mm -hmm. it means that maybe you have a search uh, functionality, you have yes, your um, kind of list of categories, you have something else, and each one is just working kind of independent. So uh, it's just about probabilities, no? It's more probability that one of them is down than all of them, no? If you have a bottleneck, it's affecting everything or just one apart. So I think that here is about just try to divide Especially the critical parts, no? That sometimes mm -hmm. is what you want. Maybe uh, Europe is up and America is down, but it's not affected. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is also like even on an application level, like something like, for example, Twitter, right? You know, maybe the search endpoint is down. 99% yeah. of users will not even notice. They'll still be able to use the service. Exactly, exactly. Or, for example, you are a developer and you are using the API. Or maybe the API is down and the service is up. So it depends. There is one very good um, document about the Stripe that how they use the rate limits. And mm -hmm. what it means is it depends the, the number of traffic, okay, the number of requests. If they have to shut down or redirect the traffic to one place, they're going to kind of kill the services that they are less critical. So the mm -hmm. last ones to be affected is the kind of payment service or something like that. Wow, wow. It's, it's amazing, but this is another level. They have different layers, uh, they control, it's so granulated, everything. Wow. Okay, uh, so the next point is apply small changes at once. And this is actually, this is almost a development philosophy. This is like the opposite of like uh, waterfall. Yeah, well, I, I, you can do it in waterfall. At the end, it depends how you release. But I think these advices that it follows, like, Roll up frequently uh, in the potency. They are just mm -hmm. best practice when you are writing mm -hmm. code. No, it like and when you are just deploying. One of the guys in the in the, um, in the presentation he asked me about. Oh, what about the staying environment? No, uh, well in that moment I said, oh yeah, uh, the staying environment it helps. No, and as it's a continuous integration. But later I thought about and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh maybe you are introducing new bugs because maybe staying is different than production. <laughs> and that's, that, that could be another problem. Maybe you are sure that it works in these conditions. Maybe you have a bigger machine in a staging and you have a small and a lot of machines in production. Your environment is different. So here in these cases, just do a small change in your code uh, and test what you are doing. No, it's like, okay, if, if you do a small change, you are going to be more, it's going to be easier for you to find the problem that if you do a huge pull request and then you merge and something is crashing, because not all the bugs they are so easy to detect. Maybe mm -hmm. you have a race condition and you are updating rows of the table. And this is something terrible. Imagine you have the uh, memory corruption bug and you're affecting mm -hmm. to other rows and well, that's very difficult to notice. And when they're gonna tell you, and maybe it's Friday night and you roll out and um, all the weekend your database is being deleted, <laughs> you don't know. So even you have later a backup, imagine how possible it is to just go back to that state mm. um, two months before. Maybe mm. you are losing so many information, so, so much information. So uh, maybe you can have an event like we said now, 
about the repo story, no? That you can track and say, okay, this mm. is the changes, but this is so expensive, so mm, you have to take this kind of balance, no? Between when you need. So what I mean is that just try to do a small changes, and you are going to be able to to localize, identify the problem better. I think one of the characteristics of the senior people is that they know how to debug an error. They know about, oh, this is a network problem, this is CPU, this is because experience that they have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And definitely, like, for example, my team, uh, we tend to roll out pretty much daily. And having those daily rollouts, it makes it much easier to monitor whether we've introduced new bugs or not because there are fewer things changed. If we waited, for example, uh, for an entire week before we rolled out, there would be a ton of changes and it would be a lot harder to figure out what one specific thing was causing any errors if they did occur. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, finally, I think your final, <laughs> your final point is be paranoid. So what does be paranoid mean? I think be paranoid means that don't be scared about double-check something so many times. When you are doing and it's like, mm, for example, when you are changing in Ruby on Rails, you are changing, adding, deleting gems, you have to be more careful that when you are uh, modifying something like the admin panel, no, that is going to affect only internal people. So be paranoid means that, well, if you have to ask for a second opinion of, from someone, do it. I mean, don't, don't, don't try to be the the nice guy who is very fast and very quick and he just release all the time very like oh I do prototypes no just be more kind of oh now is the moment for example <laughs> and this is for one friend he explained me how he he was kind of a chef a kind of and he said me Sergio we need to deliver the food very fast mm -hmm. and I asked to the people that they, they have uh, managing um, that they go fast when they are putting everything inside the dish, when they are moving, when they are um, delivering the food. But in the moment that they cut, they have to be very careful. Because mm -hmm. if you cut your hand and the blood spills over the food, you're going to have to clean everything and it's going to be delayed more. Than yes. So in that moment that you are in the critical moment, be paranoid, think about, um, double check, triple check. So that's the meaning. Wow, wow. Do you want to quickly talk about the, uh, the steps that you did right after, you, uh, right after the incident happened? Because I remember the first one was like, you, you wrote down, okay, yes, this is, because I, I really like this slide too, and it, I can go, do you want to go through it? I can go through it. You go. All right, so I'll just do the very quick run through. This is the workflow template of what to do when you have a major incident. And I like it because number one, and this is in red, it says stop. And stopping is all about just putting down what you're doing and focusing. And stop your mind. Stop thinking about Stop. Okay, it's about your work, but also about your um, feelings. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it's the title of the, of the presentation. Like, don't panic. So stop means like, okay, nothing happened. I'm going to be calm. It's the same that when you break uh, an arm or a leg and you are in the floor and you don't feel pain. In that moment, you don't feel pain because your body is smart and mm. he's avoiding this kind of trauma because you want to be able to move to somewhere, to be protected, to be... So your body is smart. So in this moment, it's the same. Stop. Stop thinking. Stop like, oh, I cannot do nothing. I, I, I cannot move. No. Just be normal. Get it easy. Talk with the other people that they are not commotion. Okay. That's it. Yes. 
Uh, number two, uh, delay worse consequences. So I think the example you gave was uh, the incident we had. Uh, database rows were still in the process of being deleted, and you hit Control C. Exactly. Exactly. Don't do not something huge, but something small that can stop the problem is is enough. But do it if you can, of course. Delay, you know, the the worst consequences. Okay. Number three is communicate with your team. And communication. This is always like whenever there's a disaster, like they talk about. Well, she's again. I'm quoting like Joel Spolsky's experience in the Israeli Defense Forces. So you know, I have no idea what's going, what I'm talking about. But uh, you know, key point is you have to keep in touch with your team. You have to be in communication with your team whenever there's a situation of disaster, so that you don't have multiple people acting in an uncoordinated manner. Yes, exactly. You ha you have to work with the team because maybe you did this time, but maybe another one is gonna do the next time. So um, don't be afraid about they are gonna say, "Oh, you did that." I think that this this kind of finger point finger pointing you have to avoid. No, so you're a team, and well, we're talking about a kind of incidents that maybe tomorrow everybody is. In the street, no. I mean, everybody's fired. The company is crashed, <laughs> no. So I think that you have to be participate. And as I said before, I think that you have to share because maybe you are not in the state to manage the situation by yourself. Because you did just now, or maybe not. Okay, depends on the incident, but maybe you did a mistake right now. So if you have done once, it can happen another one. So you can you want this like um, safety, this kind of. Mm, yeah, feel better with someone who is like reviewing what you are doing. Right. Well, and that and that's basically number four as well, which is pair with someone. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. cool. Uh, number five, and this is actually this is like right next steps. So this is like make a checklist, like write down what you're gonna do. Make sure you're thinking rationally about what you're gonna do. You know, go to the whiteboard, talk things through. Make sure you understand what's going on. Exactly, it's very important to understand what is happening. That's that's something primary. It's, it's the first step. I mean, uh, you have to identify the problem to be sure that that's the problem. Because sometimes you're gonna start working a solution that is no way near the problem. You, sometimes you think, oh, it's because uh, this side of the platform. No, that's not the problem. That if you take a look to the statistics, it's right. Uh, but the problem was over there. No, so I think that you must do this checklist because you want to be clear that in the moment that you finish everything is going to be alright. And you don't want surprises. You want to write mm. everything and think about that because you don't want surprises. This this kind of checklist is the same checklist that you should be doing when you are deploying something new. When you do a new project, you have to do the same checklist. Like, okay, I'm going to have this task and they're going to finish in two hours. The difference here is that you are rushing. Every minute is important. Every minute is maybe you are not selling products in your uh, e-commerce shop. Mm. So that's why it's more like, okay, you don't have time to go to lunch. You have to lunch while you are working, no? That's that, that's a kind of difference, no? You have to be more, you have to be, yeah, more quick. Yeah, and I think this is like, uh, this is kind of like one anti-pattern. It's like the, the solo engineer who's working alone, who gets really, who thinks that they're like, oh, I think I know the answer. I think I know the answer. I'm pretty sure it's this one thing. All I have to do is like log into production and fix this one thing and it'll all be fixed. And the problem you get into there is you don't know. You, you don't have enough information. Maybe you're wrong. If you, ha you haven't written down the steps, you haven't talked them through, you're not working with other people on your team. If you're not doing all that, it's really easy to get panicked and cause more damage than recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, step seven is fix the problem. So after you've, you've paired, you've written down the steps, you've logged, uh, you, you've set it, you're logging everything that you're doing. Number seven is actually fix it. And uh, number eight is uh, add asserts. So this is about ensuring that if the same thing happens again, you get notified about it or prevent the same thing from happening again. Exactly. Exactly. You have to learn in the same way that you write a test, a unit test, you have to add a unit test maybe for the infrastructure or just a human test, you know, that, <laughs> that don't fall again or at least have alerts, have some notifications. I always say that try to make everything automatic. I mean, you need a tool, you need an admin panel to do the task. Mm -hmm. don't, don't try to do this kind of RM everything of the database. This is a huge problem. That, and we are not talking that it's not possible. We are talking about the probability. You have to mitigate the probability. One of the things in my talk was about avoid something. That's why when you think that it's critical, double check, be paranoid, try to avoid, try to predict what is the most important item, how can it fail. And in the moment that this happened, the two major things that you can do is one, rollback, and second, have a kind of fallback that is going to help you to, okay, if this happened, then do this solution, catch the error, um, thread the error, maybe in the same code, no? you can sometimes uh, check if that method exists because you release the version or not, or maybe you even when you roll back the version, you have to be very careful. Here is the grade of paranoid, but also depends on your business. If you have one guest, I mean one customer, or you have billions of customers, if not the same the quality that Google needs in their platform, that's what we need. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so I think we're, we're as always, we're kind of running long, but uh, Sergio? Yeah, well, I have one last example, one, <laughs> okay. of the, one of the friends for the company he, he showed me. It was in Reddit, but later we will share the URL. This was about that one guy, he was a junior guy, he joined the company, and the first day he didn't have any kind of experience. He was, okay, degree at university, but he was like naive, no? And he, he got the tutorial from the company. And this guy, he started running the commands and, well, looked like that the CTO, they left the uh, um, production for them. <laughs> okay, you're swinging your chair, which is bumping the laptop, which is bumping the giant bottle of water sitting next to the laptop. We are about to have a major incident. Okay, sorry. Okay. Okay, back up. So, he's a naive guy, he just joined the company. Okay, so this guy, in his first day, he just was running the tutorial and uh, the credentials of production, they were over there. He just thought that he was modifying his local machine and he just delete all the database. <laughs> the problem is that, well, he delete everything, like the backups, it was terrible. And he was fired. And he was asking to the people in Reddit, mm -hmm. like, oh, what can I do? The company is going to sue me. They fired him in the first day and all the stuff. And here, the, the thing is that it was the fault of this guy or was the fault of the company to have something that bad? He was mm. not trained, he was not... Well, from my point of view, of course, he cannot be sued because he was just following a tutorial. It was his first day. I could not complain. I think that we have to be careful what we let to the others, no? And you have to split the permissions, you have to don't give right. production to everybody, uh, even staying, you have to be careful. You can develop an application without real data, no? that's why we mock data. So if this company did that kind of thing, well, you got what you were searching for. <laughs> right, well, I mean, you know, 
even if it's your thousandth day at the company, very few people should have access, should be able to delete your entire database. And, you know, there, there basically should not be any way that somebody who's just joined your company could accidentally delete the entire database. Yeah. So, uh, finally, do you want to talk about iterating your custom process a little bit? Yeah, well, at the end, it's, it's about uh, some companies they listen about that they, they kind of send, send an email explaining the kind of postmortems, that is when they do some kind of after the incident, how they solve, and they want to make everybody clear how to avoid the next time. So it's about mm. experience, and this is the point that makes a more uh, better culture in the company, because mm. then everybody knows about how it works. And I think that because we know that and we have to do this talk and we did it in the, our own teams and everything, it is good to do this periodically. No, every mm. six months you have to remember everybody, be careful, there are phishing outside, so they are sending emails, be careful, you can delete something that is this, be careful, don't talk about outside or um, whatever your company cares about. Yes, that is absolutely... It's branch image, no? It's the image of the branch, so... Yeah, no, it's absolutely essential to, you know, go back and make sure that you're not forgetting. All right, so finally... But hmm? I was... <laughs> that's great. Okay, well, so I, I think that's that's pretty much everything. Is there any any final thoughts you wanted to share or? Mm, not really, not really. I, I recommend to the people to ask questions in the Twitter channel. I think that we have a little bit of experience with this topic. We can give some advices, but as I said, they are custom advices. This template, it works in your company. We are trying to improve every time. And in your company, I think that you have to think about and yeah, try to avoid the bigger problems. And um, yeah, if you are, I think I think that one of my goals for this um, for this presentation was trying to approach this kind of business level methodologies to people that they have startups that they are mm. just single employee, just a couple of employees that they don't have the resources to to do something like a contingency plan, no? It's, it's an expensive task. Or, for example, doing a, this checklist about what can happen in this situation, almost regulations, uh, um, certifications. I, I wanted to make everybody think a, a couple, a, a little bit, no? To just make some good practice from the first day, no? And concentrate the people. But, yeah, I, I don't think that I have to add anything else. And, yeah. All right. Well, so uh, with that, uh, we will have a link to the actual presentation in the show notes. So you can find that at hjdl.space, uh, which is our website. And uh, Sergio, where can people find you online? What's your Twitter handle? Well, <laughs> maybe you can write the URL, but you can find me in martestrete.net. Uh, That's M-A-R-T-E-S-1-3 dot N-E-T. Mm -hmm. You can find me in Twitter. Like Martes also 13, but doesn't, okay, so doesn't matter. Okay, so R-T-E-S 13 <laughs> for the English speakers in the audience. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You, you have me in so many places. And I'm sure that if you are in the webpage, you, you have me in the about. So. Yes, yes. Uh, so check out, check out the slides and uh, check us out online. And if you have any questions, feel free to uh, directly contact me or Sergio. And, and if you have any other topics that you would like to listen about, yes, ask us. All right. Well, thank you very much, and uh, talk thank to you, you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.